Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker alongside Brent Wales. For this episode, here's what we have on the menu for you. JT Romuto heads to Philly. Padres are making big moves. Noel Arenado and the Rockies reach a record arbitration deal. Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame induction. Buster Olney's World Series prediction. Frank Robinson and Jose Bautista's bat flip ball. Brent, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Bakes. How are you doing? I am great. So let's get right That's into all. things. Earlier today, it was announced that the Marlins star catcher JT Romuto was traded to Philadelphia to the Philadelphia Phillies. Returning to the fish are catcher Jorge Alfaro and prospect Sixto Sanchez and Will, St- uh, Will Stewart, left-handed and right-handed pitchers, respectively. Two questions. How much more enticing does this make them for Harper and Machado? And are they now the front-runners in that division? Well, as far as enticing goes, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't think Machado or Harper wants to, to go to Philly for, like, a long term. Um, you know, maybe a, a quick hitter. Like, I know there's been rumors running around – about them maybe doing like a one-year deal because obviously no one's given them the 10-year offer that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a short-term contract, that might make it more interesting for them. Um, and then as far as front runners for the division, I don't know, man. I still like the Braves. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, was, I was talking to my dad earlier today, and I was saying that one thing Alex Anthopoulos hasn't done for the Braves this offseason is they needed a catcher. They, w- they could have gone out and gotten Real Muto. And I know, I know they were in on him, but they didn't get him. And they don't have a catcher, a solid catcher on that team. I mean, they have Brian McCann, but the guy's 50. So <laughs> it's not going to produce. Um, but you don't think that – I know I know it's Philadelphia. and the, But the thing is, Philadelphia is going to offer Harper and Machado the big money that they might want, right? So do you don't think that a real mutual makes them more interesting if you're Harper and Machado? Because you know that you have an extra piece that can help you win? <sighs> Not really, to be honest. Like catching's like the the hardest spot in the game, right? Like mm-hmm. you look in the last ten years, and there's really been no one at that position that's been a consistent all star, right? Like you know, closest guy's got to be Buster Posey, and even him, like he's been up and down the last five years. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of hard to you know rely on having Real Muto just. Because you don't know what you're going to get basically year in, year out, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have mentioned that Rubio could be like the best catcher in the game right now. He's the fastest by far. So I, I thought maybe that if you're Harper and Machado, you see that, and you're like, okay, well, maybe Philadelphia, they, they're putting them in a good place to win. Although it's Philadelphia, and I don't want to get shot at the ballpark. <laughs> exactly. They yeah. And they have JT Rubio. So I figured maybe yeah. – yeah, like I think at the end of the day, it's it's going to come down to whether those guys want to go somewhere and actually win, or whether those guys want to just get maxed out money wise. Yeah, right. Um, but I mean, I think that it's too early to decide to decide the favorites in the division or to decide the frontrunners in the division because I think it would have been the Braves had the Phillies not been in on either Harper or Machado because I think that. Um, one of those guys could change how or who wins that division. But right now looking at it without Harper and Machado in the equation, I do agree with you. I think the Braves are still the front runners, but just barely because they do need a catcher and they need one desperately. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Are you gonna say something? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, you know, if they happen to land one or both of those guys, then yeah, that completely, you know, changes the entire landscape of the division. But yeah, if, 
for right now, I'd still be sticking with the Braves. Yeah. Um, last week, one of the biggest topics in the game was a Ken Rosenthal report that San Diego Padres were in on Bryce Harper, and they actually met with him in Las Vegas. They're also in on Manny Machado and Gio Gonzalez. Meeting with a player makes it look like they are an advanced. Sorry, we did have some technical difficulties in the last segment. Uh, we got disconnected. Apologies, so I'll just restart from where we were. So last week, one of the, Pod- or one of the game's biggest topics was a Ken Rosenthal report that the San Diego Padres were in on Bryce Harper and actually met with him. They're also in on Manny Machado and Gio Gonzalez, according to several reports. Meeting with a player makes it look like they're in advanced stages of negotiations. So which player or which two are they more likely to get? Um, realistically, I would say Gonzalez, mm-hmm. um, just because I, it's San Diego, man. Like, I don't think they have that kind of cash to, to dole out for Harper or Machado. You know, I, I think it, it's a little bit of grandstanding on their end to kind of, you know, say that they're in meetings or say that they've met with them. Um, you know, like, let's be honest, everybody's checked in on those two guys. So, you know, whether it's this late in the stage or, you know, the beginning of free agency period, you know, everyone's checked in. So I think it's just them just kind of, you know, trying to make their fans, I guess, feel a little bit better that, hey, you know, we've had talks, you know, which ultimately I think, you know, always backfire, um, you know, on the team when they do that sort of stuff, because then all of a sudden, if they don't sign, then it turns into, well, you know, what's wrong with the the organization what's wrong with the yeah. the team like you know you guys don't know what you're doing if you can't sign a guy like that and i mean it is san diego so you know you kind of lean on that side if you have no idea what you guys are doing but mm-hmm. at the end of the day i think it's just some grandstanding yeah i mean i i agree with you that Gio gonzalez is the most realistic option because they need pitching and he's a pitcher and he's not the biggest free agent out there um but san diego is a beautiful place to live so if you want to live somewhere san diego is a great place to do it um winning wise not exactly if they do somehow get one of the big free agents like harper and machado i think they're more likely to get bryce harper and i say that because they have fernando tatis coming up who is a star infielder and i don't think they're going to be willing to move him so early in his career to accommodate manny machado i mean machado was moved in early in his career to third for JJ Hardy of all people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, do you do you think they'd be willing to move Tatis as he comes up to accommodate Machado? Um. Yeah. Like the at the end of the day, they don't really know what they have in him at the the big league level, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, shifting him to the third base or shifting him to second base, you know, it might or even the outfield, even like, you know, he might turn out to be a guy that they can put in the corner, kind of like uh, mm-hmm. Will Myers with uh, whoever is with now San Diego, right? Yeah. yeah San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah. Um, you know, like he got bounced around a lot early in his career because they just needed to find a spot on the field for his bat. And that very well could be what happens with Tatis if they happen to get Machado or then on the flip side too, right? Like you could, get Machado and tell him, you know, buddy, you're, you're our third base until this kid proves that he can't handle it. And then we'll slide you back over. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad way to look at things. Machado has played third base in the past. So we know that he can play it. I mean, Tatis, we know he's a good shortstop, but he hasn't played third base very much in his career in the minor league. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like in the big leagues. 
So yeah. I think you should put Machado at third to start if you do somehow get Machado. And you put him at third, let Tatis prove himself a short, and then see what happens. Exactly, yeah. I'm with you on that. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks ago, it was announced that the Rockies and Nolan Arenado would head to arbitration, with Arenado's party wanting $30 million, which would have been insane, and the Rockies only willing to give 24, which would have still been a record, as Josh Donaldson held the previous record of 23 million last year. And we all saw how that turned out. Okay, so more technical difficulties. This has been a technically sound episode by far. <laughs> one of our best. Um, so I will restart the Nolan Arenado topic. As sure. A couple of weeks ago, it was announced the Rockies and Arenado would head to arbitration with Arenado's party wanting $30 million, which would be a massive deal. The Rockies countered with 24 which is $2 million more than they paid Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond last year. <laughs> Uh, and it would have been a new record no matter what. Uh, the previous record was held by Josh Donaldson, as I did mention. Um, I had some strong opinions on this, saying that Arenado should get the $30 million because he's one of the premier third basemen in the game. Eventually, they did settle on $26 million. So I now ask you this. Who got the better part of this deal? Well, you know, it's a dollars game, right? So ultimately, the Rockies got the better part of the deal because they – they only paid what two million over what they were going to counter. Yeah. So in, in the grand scheme of things, from a dollar and cents standpoint, they they got the better deal. Um, you know, if I'm Arenado, I'm pissed that I didn't get thirty mil. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he deserved but, the thirty million. He's he's been one of the best third basemen in the game for years now, and I'm shocked that he didn't get it. Yeah, um, I agree. Like he's he's as weird as it sounds to say, he's a $30, $30 million guy. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately arbitration is a nasty, nasty, nasty process. Uh, you know, but I, on the other hand, they didn't make it to arbitration either. Right. So that's, that's good. Yeah. That's um, true. But yeah, I can, I can see him being upset that he got shortchanged the what 4 million that he was looking for. Um, but Yeah. I mean, you look at his stats over the past few years and where he ranks among third basemen in the MLBs. At the top of that list, in pretty much every category. Yeah. So he's he's a great defensive third baseman. He crushes at the dish. Um, so it kind of surprised me to see that maybe it, it didn't surprise me to see that he didn't get thirty million. It surprised me to see that the Rockies seem to have gotten the better part of this deal, with only like you said, only having to pay two million more than what they uh, than what they counted with. So. I don't know. It surprises me that uh, he didn't get the thirty million or anywhere close, well, four million off of it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like I said. You know, arbitration's a you know a tough thing to go through, and you know, essentially, the the organization is trying to prove that you're not worth what you're asking for, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it, it's a tough game to go through. It's a tough thing to be a part of and to, to witness and have happen to you. You know, there's always then some animosity between the player and, and the organization. So that'll be the big thing to watch out for now is how how this deal affects, you know, how he views the organization and kind of, you know, long term what is going to happen with him and the franchise. Yeah, I mean, you look at last year, Marcus Stroman got ripped apart by the Blue Jays in arbitration after he had a career year and then he started whining about it. 
Like, co- exactly. come on, come on. You're in arbitration. They're trying to pay you the least amount of money, amount of money that they can. The team values exactly. you as a player. They're saying yep. these things that they have to pay you less money. Get over yourself. Exactly. Stroman, That's just Stroman a... whines about not getting the money he wanted. He played like a triple A pitcher last year. He was not good. The Blue Jays yeah. paid probably even more than they should have for a guy who pitched the way he did. Yeah, I totally agree with that, you know. And, you know, that's where arbitration is a good thing for the player because then, you know, he's still getting more than what he's worth. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you, you know, do what he did every – well, not even every five days because he couldn't even stay healthy enough to get <laughs> exactly. on, on the rotation, right? Like, but uh, – Yeah, I mean, listen, arbitration, it's, it's where teams rip you apart and where you either get the money you want or the team – Makes four million in Nolan Arenado's case away yeah. from you. Um, you know what? I, I do. I do have to hand it to Nolan Arenado for getting things done before arbitration because that, like you said, it can turn ugly. It's not exactly the cleanest process of dealing with things. So, uh, so yeah, they settled on twenty six million, and I think the Rockies got the better part of this deal for sure. Last week, we had Scott Crawford, director of operations, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, on the show. And we talked about the upcoming Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame induction. The inductees were announced on Tuesday, as we mentioned in last week's episode. You could, you could have heard them anywhere on Tuesday. And Sportsnet came out with a couple articles. TSN did as well. Uh, the inductees are Ryan Dempster, a former righty for the Cubs and the Red Sox. I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone. I hope I'm not. Jason, the Marlins in Cincinnati. Oh, played for the Marlins? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, came up. Yep. Uh, Jason Bay, a former outfielder, played for the Mets. I know that for sure. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm uh, certain. He was with the Red Sox, and then he uh, came up with the Pirates. Mm. Uh, Rob Thompson, a longtime coach, five-time World Series winner, and Gord Ash, a longtime front office exec, two-time World Series winner. Uh, is there anyone that you thought was missed, uh, should have been inducted, and any of the inductees surprise you? Um. Well... Let's see. As far as anybody getting missed, it's hard to make an argument because for whatever reason, the Canadian Hall keeps their ballot private. Yeah, I mean, I was, when right. I was talking to Scott last week, he said that people tend to figure it out because you're eligible for you're eligible for the Hall of Fame three years after retirement. But I mean, I don't keep track of everyone that retired three years ago. So, Well, that's just it. And like, you don't know if there's a drop-off point or any of that sort of stuff, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, I would honestly, I would love to see them. Just don't give me the results. Just say on this year's ballot, this is who we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Because then you can get a little, it it gets more discussion. It gets people talking more about the Canadian Hall, which it needs, you know. um, Like personally, I think, um, you know, one of the guys that should go in is Roger Clemens. Has he ever been on the ballot? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. There's no no way to find out. You don't know who's in consideration, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there, I could probably come up with a list of, you know, 30, 40 guys that I think should be in there. But again, I don't know if they've ever been nominated, if they've been on the ballot, if they've fallen off, if they have that process. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. So now as far as the, the crowd or the class that got in this year, uh, I'm happy with it. It's it's four Canadians. Um, which I think is fantastic, mm-hmm. especially since it is the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, you know, I get they have to get, you know, the uh, 
Americans and the, and the Dominican kids, you know, in the hall. Cause it helps, you know, draw people to come up and see stuff and, mm-hmm. and, you know, membership drive and everything like that. Um, but for a while there, I think they were kind of meaning more towards just anybody who played up here who had a good few seasons. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's nice to see them get back to, you know, Canadian only, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never, it's not going to stay that way, obviously. And I understand yeah. that. I mean, um, you look at guys not, like Roy Halliday who are American, mm-hmm. like they had to be in the Canadian baseball hall of fame, but yes. I think you're, I think you're right. There were, a couple of years where they kind of distanced themselves from four or five or however many got inducted Canadians. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. And I guess the other thing too, is since it is the Canadian ball hall of fame, they do a really good job of highlighting um, like, let's call it grassroots level guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's fantastic. And I think they need to maybe see more of that uh, in there as well. Um, you know, I can remember going, uh, two years ago to the uh, induction for holiday and uh, it's going to bug me because I can't remember who it is, but it was a, a gentleman out in uh, Vancouver or BC somewhere that was an umpire and he never, like he never got into professional baseball as an umpire, but he, he served his community for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And I think that's fantastic to be able to recognize somebody story. like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what makes the Canadian baseball hall of fame so special. It's that, it's yep. it's not necessarily as big as the Cooperstown Hall, right? As the National mm-hmm. Baseball Hall of Fame, but you see these stories of these umpires that have, like like you said, that were in the game serving their communities for fifty years. That's amazing, you know. Exactly. You, don't, you won't see that in Cooperstown, and that's the the special element that the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame has, and that's something I hope it never loses because it's it's great for the game in Canada. I think. Oh, I, I totally agree. It's it's fantastic for them to be able to put that spotlight on, you know, somebody who impacted so many lives rather than ju- just focusing on, you know, a, a player or a coach or a manager who, you know, made people want to go and watch the Jays or want and go and watch the Expos when they were mm-hmm. around. You know? That's a great point. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't I've heard stories like that. I didn't know about his story in 2017 for the holiday who's in the same induction class as holiday. But I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. And I think it's something that uh, the the Canadian baseball hall of fame should never lose. Uh, Friday Buster only said that he believes the Astros will win the world series this year. My opinion, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, it, it, isn't it, isn't it a little too early to predict that the Astros are going to win the World Series when you have guys like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Craig Kimbrell, and Dallas Keuchel still on the market. To me, these guys are season-changing free agents, and Buster Olney cannot seriously make a prediction like this at the point where we're at in free agency right now. Like, come on. You see these guys that impact their teams that have insane stat lines every year, and you you have the audacity to make a World Series prediction. These guys are going to change a team and maybe even win them the World Series. And you're predicting the Astros win just out there without these guys on a team. Like, are you kidding me? What are your thoughts on it? Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, it's all good, man. I totally get the rant and the rage. I, I totally understand <laughs> it. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, it, he works for ESPN still, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a bunch of clickbait. It, it's a bunch of stuff to get the views, to get the clicks, to, you know, he could have said anybody's going to win the world series and people would go off yeah. because like you said, it, it's just too early, right? Like 
you can't even make a serious prediction on, you know, how a division is going to fall out, let alone, you know, 10 months from now, yeah, what's going to we happen were, in October. We were talking about who's the winner of the NL East. We don't know who's going to win the world series. Exactly. Like so much can change between now and then, you know, it's, it's, I think I'm hoping anyway, that when he was doing it, he was looking based just off of how everything's set right now and not factoring in, you know, but the Harper thing is, Machado how can and not, all those guys. How can you not factor in Harper, Machado, Kimbrough, and Keiko? Well, he needs to write an article, right? He's got a deadline. He's got a hit. So it's been a slow off season. So it's one of those, we're going to beat our head against the wall and see what I can come up with. And, oh, yeah, let's do this. So, you know, <laughs> get, get some read, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, ESPN, they're, they're, they're very, they know their stuff in basketball. Yes. Uh, baseball, I mean, Buster only is usually a good, he, he reports things as they happen. He's kind of a Ken Rosenthal just for a crappy company, in my opinion, baseball, baseball wise. Um, I like Buster only. I think that this article though was ridiculous and should not have been written. I think it was stupid. I think it was he, he. I don't know if he wasn't thinking when he wrote it, but like, you can't seriously make a prediction like that. He made that prediction February first. February first. <laughs> you don't even know. So first of all, you don't even you know who's going to show up in spring training. Exactly. That's my point. How can you predict that when you don't know who's going to show up to whose spring training camp? Exactly. Like, oh yeah, it's. Yeah, it's unfortunately like it's like I said, it's a slow off season, right? Like there, there's nothing to really report on. Like was it today? Uh, Zach Britton threw out on his Twitter breaking news. He's spelling his name with a K instead of the the H now. <laughs> I didn't see that. Like, yeah, like when that's like your your talk of the day, you know the off season's slow, right? Mm-hmm. Which sucks for the fans because there's nothing to really you know get them going, get them excited for. Um, you know, and like I said, they just they got to put some content out there, and unfortunately, you know, he he decided to go with a World Series prediction with a February World 1. Series prediction. Wow. Yeah, like you know, um, but again, it works, right? Like you and me are talking about it, so mm-hmm. clearly, you know, it's it's had some impact. Yeah, it shouldn't have, but it did. And you know what? They got a lot of new viewers on their website, probably, and props to them for coming up with a complete BS story. Um, but about the slow off season, I mean, Casey Stern, our guest a couple weeks ago on the show, I don't know if you listen to inside pitch, but he, he loves to go off off season. It's great. But what's not great is that it's a slow off season. His rants are amazing. I I love them. I think they're hilarious, but the fact that the off season has been as slow as it has been this year and last year, I mean, Jake Arrieta signed mid spring training last year, came out and was terrible. Well, not terrible, Mm -hmm. but I mean, he wasn't himself last year and you you're going to see that more and more as this happens because guys don't have the spring training camp you can have a forest facility spring training camp all you want you're not going to have a big league spring training camp at scott boris's dang facility like come on these guys have to get signed and it's it's boring for the fans like you said it's terrible for the players because they don't face big league level talent so what you've got some worn out big leaguer that's still represented by Scott Boris throwing to you in BP. That's not going to prepare you for the 100 mile an hour fastball that a role Chapman's going to be whipping at you from 60 feet, six inches away. Um, but I mean, 
like this this has to change i don't know how it's supposed to change i know that wasn't our topic we went into this going mm. buster only but that's all good this has to change i don't know how to change it i don't know how it's going to change but if for the game's sake it needs to change yeah like i don't know i kind of see both sides of the coin on this one like i understand from a player standpoint you know i want to sign i want to get get my money i want to get paid and i want to get to work mm. um but, you know, unfortunately, the way the game is, and it's not really unfortunately, I shouldn't say that. It's just the way the game's, I guess, progressing is, you know, you can go on the street corner and find a kid who throws 97 now. Yeah. I mean, there's right? a so, guy. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just like, you know, like there's, you know, if you've got five years of service time in and you're, you know, a starter, reliever, whatever, and you're pumping 95, well, I can go sign a kid, bring him through the system within like a year or two and pay him league minimum. And I'm saving so much bank. Yeah. Right. Like, and unfortunately the, the owners are greedy and they have every right to be greedy because they're in it to make money. They're not in it to support, you know, the 40 guys they got on the 40 man roster they're there just to give them a job for the, as low as possible price that they think they can give them, mm-hmm. you know? So it, um, it is a real struggle. Yeah. I mean, I, I read an article I saw on MLB.com a couple days ago, the Rangers signed some guy that retired oh, yeah. that's still the pumping lefty. 99 at 37 years old. Like he's not going to be making yeah. that much money, He, but he's still going to pitch no. for the Rangers. And he's going to be effective most likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's just it. Right. Like, you know, if you follow um, Rob Friedman's um, new um, account on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, it's a flat ground app. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's tons of guys that are either, you know, in college looking to, you know, bump their, their, their stock or they're, you know, last year guys looking for a senior sign or they're young kids that never got picked or, or spent like one year and affiliated that are looking to get picked up. Like the, the amount of guys that can play at that level nowadays is just, it's, it's creating that void of we're not going to go out and sign like a uh, well, Gio Gonzalez. Yeah. Right? Because we can get a Gio Gonzalez version 2.0 for, you know, $600,000. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, I'm running out of topic. I mean, this week I, I was telling you the struggle that I went through. Yeah. I mean, really, the Nolan Arenado arbitration deal happened last week on Thursday after we released the episode. It's kind of mm-hmm. – it could be considered as old news if you wanted to, but I had to put it in because I didn't have anything else. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Today it was revealed that two-time MVP, Hall of Famer, Gold Glove winner, 14-time All-Star, and first African-American manager Frank Robinson passed away at the age of 83. Obviously, Robinson was a special baseball player and a great person. Was there anything from his career or managerial career that really stuck out to you, Brent? Um, I didn't get to see the guy play, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to actually yeah. seen him play. Um, you know, the, the one thing that, that stuck out to me is, you know, he, he won the MVP in both leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, that's first guy. To, uh, first and I think the only guy to do that, wasn't he? First guy and probably the only guy to do that. Um, and then even like when he came into Cleveland, like he was a player manager, like that's how much of an impact he had still as a player and how, 
you know, his baseball skill and baseball knowledge and IQ was that much higher than anybody else that they Cleveland saw it or thought anyway, that mm. could lead the club on the field. Like that's, that's amazing. And then even for him to, you know, go to Montreal and, you know, like they stuck him with a lame duck. Like he knew yeah. Montreal wasn't up shop. He knew they weren't like, I think the last year or the year before they, they, they ended it. Like he was playing some of his home games in Puerto Rico. Like, <laughs> Like to go in there knowing I'm not going to, I'm not going to, like, we're not going to last here, but I'm still going to go out and put the best effort and, you know, help these kids and get these guys going. Like that's, to me, that speaks to the kind of guy that he, I imagine was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of our condolences to Frank Robinson's family and friends. Frank Robinson, amazing man, tremendous ball player who will not be forgotten. Moving on uh, from something less dark and upsetting. uh, (laughs) I wanted to mention that Jose Bautista, the ball that he hit in the seventh inning of the of game five of the ALDS in 2015 against the Texas Rangers, that bat flip ball sold for $28,252.28. Make sure it's Could it could have beaten the uh, the other bid by one cent? That's important. It um, is. Was the price too high for the ball? Did they they, they pay too much? Uh, in my opinion, yes. Um, <laughs> like it, it wasn't a significant milestone of a of a home run, mm-hmm. right? Like to me, if you're gonna spend big coin, you know, I want it to be on something meaning, meaningful, like you know, Maris's. 61st home run ball or you know bonds with 773 or whatever 747 or whatever he finished his career at yeah you know things like that jeter's 3000 hits stuff like that where it's you know it's a it's a milestone whereas it was big for the bandwagon fans yeah it was and guarantee a bandwagon fan bought it guarantee (laughs) um but i mean it was it was a pretty big home run at the time for Blue Jays fans or fake Blue Jays fans who have suddenly disappeared. The, yeah, it's funny how that happens. Yeah. Um, expect them to reappear in a couple of years once Guerrero and Bichette and Biggio are all settled in. But I mean, they asked originally for $3,000. Is that a more reasonable price to you? Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't pay three grand for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously at the end of the day, it's people are willing to shell out what they're going to shell out to get what they want. Um, so, you know, somebody deemed it worth twenty eight eight thousand $8,000. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like, especially when you can get like an autographed mantle for like close to that price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know what? Uh, it's, I think it's, it's a little steep, but you know, two elevens baseball talk, the podcast where we criticize your financial decisions. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not an auction podcast. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you know it better than I do. I'm not in finances. Uh, but I would hope not. No. Um, Bautista's ball sold for 28,252.28. Ah, uh, so that happened. This has been episode 15 of 211's Baseball Talk. Go follow us on Twitter at 211's Baseball Talk. Uh, only platform where 211's is spelled in numbers because you can't have more than 15 characters in a username, yada, yada, yada. 211's really? Baseball- yeah, I learned that. I can't even put the S in. It's actually not 211's Baseball Talk. It's 211 Baseball Talk 
all in numbers because um, of some odd rule. However, on Facebook, you can go find us at 211's Baseball Talks. That's our username. Uh, Facebook still hasn't approved our request to change our name to the letters 211's, to 211's in letters. So that's also a thing. You know what? Struggling on social media platforms. Didn't think I would say that as someone who's a, who's, who's a Gen Z or whatever they call us. Um, but yeah. Let's go follow us on Twitter at 211's Baseball Talk. On Facebook at 211's Baseball Talk as well. Uh, we had a good episode today. We have a special guest next week. Mike Wilner joins the show. Uh, oh, of nice. Sportsnet 590, the fan and radio broadcaster for the Toronto Blue Jays. So that'll be fun. For Brett Wales, I am Dylan Baker. We'll talk to you all next week.